Hello friends, welcome to the Hillside Church Podcast. My name is Brad and I serve Hillside Church as the lead pastor. We're so glad to be able to share God's word with you in this way. God has so much in store for you and for your life. And one of the ways God works in our lives is through the study of his word, like the message you're about to hear. Our prayer for you is that as you share in this message, if it's me preaching or if it's someone else, is that God's word would minister to your heart and life in a most powerful way. Thanks again for being part of our church family. God bless you. Today, um, we're actually going to be looking at the book of Proverbs. If you have your Bible and you'd like to to follow along, you can turn to the book of Proverbs. We're going to be jumping all over the book, so it might be a challenge to, to keep up as we move through the book, um, but if you, as we're going through and we're going to read a bunch of different verses from Proverbs, if something sticks out, it might be a good opportunity to go, oh, I like that verse, at least let me go highlight it or, or tap it on my phone or, or whatever, just in order to, to pick that up. But it's going to be really tricky to, to follow along verse by verse, but you may discover some, some nuggets that you like. Um, If you don't know much about the book of Proverbs, the book of Proverbs is a very unique book um, in all of Scripture. It's not a story. Um, There's no character named Proverbs, and there's no story of the life of Proverb. Um, There's no characters, really. Sometimes there's some illustrations that take place in the book that present a character, but there's not really a character or, or a story, no narrative that we follow. It simply compiles a whole bunch of, of short instructions for life. Other books tell long stories of of triumph or failure. There's prophetic warnings to to disobedient people. But Proverbs takes a very different look at theology. It takes a very different look at even what a book of the Bible can be in the sense that it focuses on instructing people in the path of wisdom. And the way that it does it is the book gives real-world principles to apply in all of these different areas of life. Proverbs is sort of like God's Twitter. Or I guess it's like called X now, or it's going to be called X now. Or, or if you're really up on things, God's threads. But it's this, oppor- it's this short, burst, profound wisdom. The short part is like Twitter, not the wisdom part. Um, but it's these short little just one, two-line little sayings, and then another one, and another one, and another one, and another one. And they just have these moments of, of just little profound sayings. And there are seemingly a disconnect almost that will flow through. So you read one, and it'll be on one topic. And then the next verse will be on a totally different topic. And the verse after that may be on a totally... Some chapters have more of a theme, but some are just a collection of thoughts and ideas. But there are some truths that run through the book of Proverbs. Some are some themes that run through the book of Proverbs where you'll find a, a, a verse here on this and then another verse on that same topic and another one and another one and another one. And today we're going to take a look at that. We're going to take a look at one of these themes that runs through the book of Proverbs. Specifically, the theme we're going to look at this morning is the theme of our words. The words we speak. What, 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 are, what does God have to say about the way we speak to each other? The way we communicate 
with each other. But before we dive into Proverbs and what it has to say, I want to go somewhere else really quickly. Because I want to set some context for us. I, I want to take a look at what Jesus has to say about this. Because Jesus tells us pr something pretty significant about our words. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus begins to talk to people about how can you tell what kind of a person someone is? What, how can you tell something about people? And Jesus will say this, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Verse 44 will say, Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. So, so Jesus says, if you, if you want to know what kind of tree you have, one of the ways you can tell what kind of tree you have is by looking at its fruit. If you look at a tree and it's got apples on it, it's an apple tree. If you look at a tree and it's got figs on it, it's a fig tree. If you look at the fruit and it's grapes, when I was writing my notes, I couldn't remember what grapes were. Vines. Are they grown on vines? Vines. It's a grapevine. I was like, a grape tree? No, that doesn't sound right. A grape bush? No, that doesn't. What are grapes growing on? Grapevine. If, if you look at the vine and it's got, it came to me, right? As we See, I, in a moment of humility, I told you I couldn't. I could have just passed by and you would have never known. But I couldn't remember. But yeah, if you, if you look at your vine and it's got a grape on it, it's grapes. If you want to know what kind of tree or vine or bush, one of the quickest ways is what fruit is on it. But more than that, Jesus also says we can tell the quality of the tree by looking at the quality of the fruit. So if you look at, at an apple tree, but the apples are gross and, and they're rotten and they're misshapen and they're not good apples, it may be that that apple tree is no good. And we can look at the fruit of the tree and we can decide whether or not the fruit is good or bad and that will tell us about whether or not the tree itself is good or bad. And Jesus then takes this, this picture that he's showing us and he, he brings it in to, to people. When he says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. And so Jesus says the same way you can look at a tree and you can see what kind of fruit it has. And that will tell you what kind of tree it is and whether the fruit is good or bad. That will tell you whether or not it, it's a good tree or a bad tree. It says that people are just like that. That you can look and, and if good is coming out of a person, then they're, a good, then they're probably a good person. And if evil's coming out of a person, then, then they've got evil in their heart. And then he will go on to say this. And this brings home our topic for today. For the, or for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Jesus tells us that if you want to know a person's heart, look at the words they speak. If you want to know the, the, the inside, who somebody really is, look 
at the words they speak. Listen to what comes out of their mouth. If a person is angry or rude or crude or immoral on a regular basis, even if, oh, I'm just joking, you can rest assured that what's coming out is what's on the inside. And likewise, if someone is, is kind and considerate and encouraging and polite, you can be sure that that's what's coming out from the inside. Of course, it's always possible that, that someone's faking it, that, that there's a facade being put up, but eventually what is on the inside always makes its way out. The real them out always comes out. The mouth speaks out of the abundance. It speaks out of the overflow. It speaks what the heart is full of. And so we need to take a look at our words. We need to see how to control and have the right words reflect our right hearts. And today I, I want to look at a verses from all over the book of Proverbs that will give us little bits and pieces of wisdom and will show us that God cares about our speech. And friends, there, there's never been a more important time to be reminded of this truth. There are more ways to communicate today than at any time in human history. There are more people that you have the opportunity to communicate with right now than at any time in human history. Is in this moment, you could be in contact with hundreds of... For, for those of you who are on your phones on Facebook right now scrolling while listening to me, you can be in contact with a whole bunch of people right this moment. You, the internet, the world around us has provided us with not the ability just to be in more contact with people, but to be in contact with more people. And so we need to, to be really cognizant about how we communicate, how we speak, because it matters to God. And we need to recognize that there's more to our speech and to our words than what we speak with our thumb or with our, with our mouths, but also what we speak with our thumbs. What we speak with our thumbs when, when we're texting, when we're posting on the internet, when we're doing what we're doing online. Online communication is also a reflection of who we are. Maybe even in some ways a better reflection of who we are. And so if God, all the way back in the Old Testament, thousands and thousands of years ago, saw fit to say, I want you to consider how you're speaking to one another. I want you to consider how you communicate with each other. It matters to me how you share with other people. If God, thousands of years ago, was saying, this is something you need to think about, how much more today should we as God's people hear what God is speaking to us about how we speak? And so what we're going to do today is we're going to look at three things our words need to be. 
And then we're going to look at one thing our words just are. So we're going to look at four things this morning. First, three things that our words just, what they should be. And then fourth, that's just universally true. Things that they are. So first thing our words should be. Our words should be true. The Bible teaches us that, that truth and truthful speech is the sign of a redeemed heart and that lying is a sin. It's the work of the enemy. It's a product of a fallen nature. In Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19, it lists seven things that the Lord cannot stand. It'll say this. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. A heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. The Lord detests lying. Oh, that's the next verse. We're, we're moving on too quickly. But did you catch it? Lying is listed in there twice. It says a lying tongue and a false witness who pours out lies. That as, as God is speaking and saying, these are things that I hate. These are, these are the things that I think are the worst of humanity. Lying shows up in it twice. All throughout scripture, God's people are told to speak the truth. And we're told that speaking the truth is actually a sign of love for God and for other people. And so here's the, here's, the, here's the test for us. Raise your hand if you think my magic trick wasn't very good. All right, we got a couple of truth tellers. In truth and love, you can, yes, Brad, that stunk. Do not think that this is a new career path for you. Uh, but, but we're called to speak truth to each other. We're called to speak truth to the world. We're called to have our words be true. The book of Proverbs speaks a lot about the benefits of truth-telling and the dangers of lying. Proverbs uh, 12 says this, The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are trustworthy. Verse 23, The prudent keep their knowledge to themselves, but a fool's heart blurts out folly. So how can we make sure that our speech is the truth and leads people to truth? One way that we can, we can ensure that we're speaking truth is to pause before we engage. To, to pause before we say the first thing that comes into our mind. To, to pause before we... we Type out the first thought that comes into our mind. That when we, when we read something or, or someone says something and it stirs up something inside of us and, and we want to respond from our gut to take a step back and slow down and not respond from our gut. It's too easy to just hear a phrase. It's too easy to just read a headline. It's too easy to, to just read a comment and think we know everything. But if we indeed want to be people 
who speak like God wants us to speak. We need to be speaking words that are true. Not words that feel true. Not, not words that seem to validate how we feel. But we need to make sure that the words we speak are true. The next thing our speech should be, our words should be love. We're taught all through the Bible that kindness, respect, and love are not simply nice things for certain people. They're considered Christian virtues for all people. Proverbs 14 says, It is a sin to despise one's neighbor, but blessed is the one who is kind to the needy. It's a sin to despise one's neighbor. Not all of us have good neighbors. Not all of us have neighbors. I mean, some of us have neighbors that we wish would move. Is, is we had one neighbor at our old house where, where he liked to get up really early and he liked to work on his vehicles. But you would never have an idea that he liked to do it because he was angry the whole time he was doing it. And he was loud and he was angry. And we had to make sure the windows were closed because he used a whole lot of words that our kids didn't know. And so when Doug was outside working on his car, we had to be very cognizant because our little kids were hearing things that big people shouldn't hear. And so, you know, we have to love our neighbor. In fact, it's a sin to not love our neighbors. In the last few years, I've heard from so many people who so, said they no longer speak to siblings or speak to friends or speak to parents or speak to someone because conflict has invaded their deepest relationships be it politics, pandemics, or whatever it might be, that we, our relationships have been completely torched because of the way we speak to each other. No, dart, no doubt arguments or hurtful words, intentional or not, have driven a wedge between so many. But when we look up or look at these types of situations, it's easy to relate to Proverbs 10, verse 12, which says, hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers all wrongs. Now, I want to pause here for a moment, because there's something that I just, I want to talk about, and I want to get out on the table. Um, because when I mention things like love in a context like this, sometimes you can be met with eye rolls. You want me to be loving. Sometimes it can be met with frustration. Sometimes it can be met with, well, you know, I'm just somebody who doesn't have a filter. And so I just say whatever I say, and, and sometimes it hurts people, but oh well. Many balk at the concept. Because we think that, like, to be loving means that we need to be squishy or passive, or, or be a doormat, or, or lack any real conviction. That in order to be loving, I just need to, to 
back away. I, I just need to, to not get involved in something. I, I, I just need to let other people walk all over me because that's loving. But it's so important for us to understand that, that being loving is not a sign of weakness. That, that to relate to someone else in a loving way, it's not a sign of weakness, it's actually a sign of strength. And it's actually a sign of belief in Jesus. And what I mean by that is someone who is confident in their beliefs and who knows that God has already in Christ defeated sin and death and the grave can stand in and fight for what they believe, knowing there's no need to resort to being unloving. There's no need to resort to attacks. There's, there's no need to resort to words that are unloving because Jesus has already won. And so I don't need to fight dirty on his behalf. I can be loving because he's called me to be loving, and I can put my hope and my faith and my trust in him that if I'm going to be loving, he's going to work through me. Proverbs 20 or 25, 15 shows us a picture of this. Through patience, a ruler can be persuaded, and a gentle tongue can break a bone. Gentle answers, pleasant words, kindness, understanding, and humility go a long way toward loving words. Proverbs tells us that it's not the force of our words that can cause people to change. That the highest positions of authority can be changed through patience. That a gentle tongue can make all of the difference in how we relate to each other. We think at times, I need to be louder. They're disagreeing with me. I need to be louder. They're disagreeing with me. I need to be louder. I need to figure out how you do that little code thing on Facebook to make my font bigger. Because I need to show how angry I... But Proverbs says, patience can change the rulers. A gentle tongue can break a bone. We can be loving and passionate. We can be loving and convicting. We can be loving and true. We can be loving without sacrificing truth. See, our words need to be loving and they need to be true. And it's not a choice between them. It's not, well, your words either need to be loving or they need to be true. Just make sure they're in one of those two categories. Our words need to be loving, and they need to be true. And if we don't know how to speak those words, if in a moment or systemically in our lives, we don't know how to be loving and how to be true, then maybe we shouldn't get involved. Maybe we shouldn't speak. But instead, recognize that God has called me to be something that I'm not. And 
I need to go spend some time with the Lord. If I can't speak in a way that's loving and a way that's true at the same, then that's, that's on me to say, God, I need your help. Would you speak to me in love and truth? Would you show me how to speak the way you've called me to speak? And the last thing that our speech should be, our words should be humble. The Bible says of humility, or the Bible speaks of humility as a sign of grace. Proverbs says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. And this proverb is, or this proverb is actually quoted two other times in Scripture, in James chapter 4, verse 6, and in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. But what does that have to do with our speech? It doesn't talk about speech, it doesn't talk about our words. It tells us, I believe, that graceful, measured, loving, humble speech is a sign of God's grace. While proud, boastful speech is a sign of God's resistance. Humility means speaking in recognition of our own fallenness. It means resisting the urge to speak out of turn. It means that we have the self-awareness to know that if we're the right person to speak on a particular issue at a particular time. Proverbs speaks to the value of applying just the right word in the right moment. It's, it's full of warnings against speaking without humility. Proverbs 18.13 says, To answer before listening, that is folly and shame. Proverbs 20.25 20, says, It is a trap to dedicate something rashly and only later to consider one's vows. And so that's three things that our words should be. Our words should be true. Our words should be love. And our words should be humble. But I said there's one more thing that we need to talk about. There's one more thing that we need to understand about our words, and it's not something that our words should be. It's something that our words, that they just are. It's something that just is. And that's, and it's why all of this is so important. It's why we come back to this. And that is this. Our words have power. Words are one of the greatest gifts that God has given to mankind. Every parent who has a child looks forward to the day that their child utters their first words. And then about two and a half years later wishes that never happened. And maybe we could go back. But words are a gift that, we, that God has given to humanity. Our ability to communicate is a gift that he's given to us. There's, there's beauty in the words that allow people to exchange thoughts and ideas and express how they feel. In just a few words, someone could make your day. Imagine for a second you're at the grocery store. Somebody comes up to you, you've never even met them, and says, my, you look nice today. Why, thank you. This is not, you, 
you would be, and that's the power of a stranger. Now imagine for a second, you're at the grocery store. Somebody comes up to you, says, my, you look rough today. That's going to hit hard. And it's just a stranger. Who cares what they think? Well, I'll tell you, if a stranger comes up to me and says, I think you're a pretty cool guy. Thank you. That's nice to hear. Stranger comes up to me. My, you look dumpy today. That's going to hurt. And, my, and that's just a stranger. That's not even people we like or we care about. It may be somebody you never see again. And it's just a stranger. And they can have all kinds of impact. We can make someone's day in a moment. And in just a few words, someone can ruin your day. Someone you don't know. Never mind someone you do. There is unlimited power or unlimited number of ways that words can be used because words are powerful. The book of Proverbs puts this in context for us. Verse 21 says, The tongue has the power of life and death. Life and death. Solomon, the author of this proverb, just took the power of words and our tongues to a whole new level, attributing them the power of life and death. So often, the temptation that we can have when it comes to our words is to gloss them over and think, well, they don't matter. I know I said that, but it doesn't really matter. You know, we say sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And we, we want to gloss over the power. Somehow, words will have no effect on... Words have tremendous effects. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can hurt for forever. The words we speak matter deeply for, for the one hearing them, but also for the one speaking them. Look at what Jesus had to say about this. In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus says this, but I tell you that everyone, everyone, that's all of us, will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. Verse 37 goes on to say, for by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. But I didn't mean it. It was just a joke. I didn't mean it. I was angry. I shouldn't. Uh, oh. I want you to understand something about your tongue and the power of life and death that are in it. There are no empty words. All words that come out of your heart, you are accountable for. Jesus said, on, 
on the, when we stand before God in judgment, one of the things we're going to have to give account for are the words that we've spoken to each other. The words that we've spoken, the words in anger when that person cut you off in traffic and you screamed something they, they couldn't hear because you're in traffic, but you still said it. The, the words that you said when you were running a little low on caffeine and, and your wife said, honey, could you do this for me? And under your breath, you went, and she said, what's that? And he said, nothing, dear. The times when we were short with each other, the times when we were angry with each other, the times when we were in the middle of a global pandemic and we said mean things to each other, the times when we communicated online and because you're anonymous to the other person and, and they're anonymous to you, we were willing to say all kinds of things we would never say to somebody's face. Jesus says we're going to be accountable for all of those things. This means the words that we've spoken in public, the words spoken in private, the, one, the ones everyone hears, and the ones we think no one hears, the words we type. We are responsible to give an account for all of these words. Not only do you have the power of life and death in your tongue, but Jesus tells us that we're accountable for how we use that power. My point is this is serious business. When it comes to our words, there is no hiding place. What this proverb is literally telling us is the words that you speak, the words that we speak, have the ability to give life to a person, have the ability to give life to a situation. But they also have the power to kill a person. They also have the power to destroy a situation. This proverb is a reminder of how much words matter. We don't need to do a survey, but I'll bet you there's a large number of people in this room right now that carry around scars from words that were spoken to them from a long time ago. Words that were spoken that maybe there was absolutely no truth to. But days, weeks, months, years, decades later, the scars are still there. And they say, or those words rattle around inside your brain. We also don't have to take a survey to know that there are probably some here who remember words that they've spoken that they really wished they hadn't. That it's not that I bear the scars, but I know that someone else bears the scars of the things that I said. That I know I said something I shouldn't, 
yesterday or last week or last month or last year or last decade. And I live knowing that somebody out there is walking around with my voice echoing in their head from something that I said that brought them death. This is the proverbial double-edged sword. Out of your mouth, you have the ability to build up or tear down, to motivate or to discourage, to lift people higher or to drag them lower, to inspire someone to greatness or to push them to mediocrity, all because of the words that come out of your mouth. This is the life and death that are in the power of the tongue. So the question before us today is what do we want to do? Who do we want to be? How do we want our words to be spoken? Do we want to give life? Or do we want to promote death? And how you use your tongue will determine which side you land on. This small part of your body carries so much weight and influence. So I hope that we all choose life. Let it be from this point forward that we start using our tongues to produce life and stop killing others with the words that come from our mouths. Because life and death are in you. So let's choose together to be people who bring life. Let's pray. Father God, we know that you created us for intimacy. You created us for life together. You created us for community. In fact, we cannot live out who we're called to be outside of community. But yet, God, we are so fallen. We, we are so broken. We are so mean to each other. We, we can so often speak without thinking. We can so often think about the wrong things before speaking. We can so often do things to one another without thinking about the power of this community that you've given us. Without thinking about the power that we have in each other's lives. And God, I pray that as we go through our lives, as we go through our lives together, as we live in community, as we live in relationship with one another on, on a broad scale and on an intimate scale, God, would you bring back into focus for each one of us the power of our words? God, would you bring back into focus the power that we have over one another to speak life or death? And God, I pray that you would allow us to not lose control of our tongue, to not lose control of our words, to not lose control of ourselves and speak death to ourselves or speak death to others. But God, I pray that you would help us to be people who bring life, people who, who speak truth, people who speak from a place of love, people who speak from a place of humility, and people who speak life. 
God, I pray that you would stir in us a willingness to go and ask for forgiveness for the things that we've said that we shouldn't have. God, where I've offended someone, God, would you show me and allow me to go and, and ask for forgiveness for a word spoken out of turn? And God, I pray that we would be able to forgive those who have hurt us, those who have said things to us that have left us hurt and scarred. God, I pray that we would use the power that you've given us in our words. God, I pray that we would use them well. God, help us to understand, to internalize, and live out the life and death that we have in our tongue. We love you, Jesus. Help us to live our lives your way. In your name we pray. Amen. There's a place I retreat. Thanks again for being a part of this message from Hillside Church. We pray that God was able to speak to you through what was shared. We're so grateful to be able to share God's word with our church community and family. And that includes you. And we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Hillside Airdrie. You can contact us through email at info at hillsideairdrie.ca or you can go to hillsideairdrie.ca and click on contact us from the main menu or you can find our pastoral team contact by clicking on our pastors from the Our Church drop-down menu. Our vision for everyone that shares in Hillside Church is that they would know God, know his hope, know his purpose, and know his power in their lives. And we pray this message ministered to you. At Hillside Church, we're a family not by blood, but a family that's been bought by blood. As family we go. My soul, it seems, it's